You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to Random Rewatch Mondays, and we're in the middle of a month of Christmas movies here. Uh, we are, uh, if you don't know the format of this, we just alternate one after the other. Host chooses one episode, the other host chooses, and it's any show, any episode, anything you want, really, as long as it was on television. And uh, we've had good, we've had bad. Yeah, so no naughty things going on here. There's what? No naughty things. No, like, no naughty things going no on. No X-rated things going on here. That's right. <laughs> family friendly. As long as Jamie's yeah. not on the episode, it will be family friendly. <laughs> or Ben. <laughs> or Ben. <laughs> uh, as long as it's just me and Rossi, it will be... Uh, att- yeah, we won't offend anyone. Well, <laughs> we're not going to go that far. <laughs> I mean, we'll be at least nicer than the others. Exactly, yeah. We are the nice hosts here. Um, but uh, so far, what have we covered Two weeks ago, we talked about Rossi. We talked about me? No. What did we talk about two weeks ago? The the dentist, right? The dentist. Uh, well, that was last week, wasn't it? No. What was the week before Rudolph? Uh... <laughs> We've lost all track here. <laughs> um, let me go. Hold on. I'll check the Instagram. <laughs> Which is just a great subtle plug. Follow the Oz Network on Instagram. <laughs> Um, if you want to Daria. Content. Is that, no, it's not Christmas. No, it wasn't Christmas. You're right. But it was Daria. Oh. I'm oh, just catching everybody up here. <laughs> Great start to the episode. Two okay, weeks ago. Christmas. It threw me off. <laughs> we record these a few at a time, people. So we're getting caught up here ourselves. Two weeks ago, we talked about Daria. Last week, we moved into Christmas month with uh, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer from 1964, 1965, whatever. And... Uh, last week. Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> no, last week was Rudolph. Last week, no. Last week is not Rudolph. Two weeks ago was Rudolph. Last week was The Office, remember? I'm so lost, Colin. <laughs> remember last week when we talked about The Office Christmas? Those were good times. <laughs> we're here on week Colin, number three, confused. believe uh-huh. it or not. <laughs> I'm really confused. We're just, just as confused because, believe it or not, we are recording some of these episodes out of sequence as well. So, for the purpose of the audience at home, two weeks ago was Rudolph. Last week was The Office. Here we are. Merry Can Christmas. Can edit this out? Merry Christmas. This is all staying in. I don't have time for that. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean. <laughs> Um, uh, which is episode number seven of Mr. Bean. Uh, the show's a little bit different in format than some of the other ones we cover, so it's not really a season-based show. More uh, sporadic specials that aired, sometimes a couple years, sometimes only once per year. Uh, this one, Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean, first airs December 29th, 1992, and we're going to be here to talk about it. Uh, finally got our bearings, you know where we are. My name is Colin, and Matt... Shh! And my name is Rossi. And <laughs> my alternate quote was going to be "Good luck coming up with a quote for Mr. Bean, Rossi." You you figured it out. Um, the only time that was the only thing I could think of, and then I was like, it sounded too much like those plants in the Lost in Space yeah. episode. <laughs> the talking. And I tended to come in with that and go. Ew, ew. <laughs> uh. So anyways, Mr. Bean, uh, this is episode number seven. We're about two years into the run of Mr. Bean, seven episodes in. And uh, uh, before we kind of go through our history with the show here, just a little bit of rundown since some people, some people are not familiar 
with Mr. Bean, as I found out in recording this podcast with people from around the world, uh, as a British TV show, they basically have no rules. And I find British TV funny because I, uh, I obviously watched a lot more of this growing up. I don't know if it's just a Canadian thing. There's a connection between CBC, which is sort of our you know, government-funded national network, and then BBC, that we got a lot of British programs. And you know, obviously PBS will air a lot of British shows and some good stuff. And, you know, not, not all just the Shakespearean things, but like fun sitcoms like Mr. Bean and other things. Uh, but like this show was huge here. Um, and I'm sort of finding out that like uh, some places it's not as popular, it's sort of known but not huge. Uh, but just the format of this show, I mean, I couldn't even wrap my head around it as a kid. You know, it was a TV show, but yet one year they'd air an episode in October, another one in December, and another one in January, and then they'd go a year and a half without an episode, and then they'd go six months without an episode. It's just sort of all over the place, and that's just sort of British TV. Um, but this show, I think probably about a couple of years into it, by about 93, 94, it really started to get popular here. Uh, and by the time the show was over, which I think the last episode aired in 95... It was on every single day. Uh, to put that in perspective, when I say every single day, it's not like this is a syndication. I mean, it's 15 episodes is what they produced. But it was on every single day in prime time on CBC. Uh, now, difference between like syndication where you'll have maybe a show that's on at 5 p.m. or 5.30, which is like The Office that we talked about last week. You know, That's when the show would be on a syndication here. Here you have network TV, and they put Mr. Bean on at 7 p.m., to kick off their primetime reruns where if you watched it every single day after three weeks, the entire series is over. And yet the show was that popular. They could do it. So it's huge here. I mean, everybody knows Mr. Bean. I'll have some other facts about like how popular the show is here. I mean, this is almost on level with like corner gas, probably even, I mean, as much as I said, corner gas, like the biggest Canadian sitcom of all time. If you were to ask most Canadians, you know, corner gas or Mr. Bean, you'd probably get a lot of people saying Mr. Bean. I mean, it's that huge here, but Rossi, I think we mentioned this on a past episode. Um, I guess maybe you have some familiarity with Mr. Bean, but it's maybe not necessarily as big of a deal down there in America. Um, I don't know if I'm the best judge or best person to comment on whether or not it's big or not, but I knew of Mr. Bean. I heard of it. I remember, you know, seeing a few video, not videos, but like images and stills and stuff from the show. So I'm somewhat familiar. I didn't know it was this weird silent film esque <laughs> character. Um, so there's some stuff that I'm still learning. Like as you talk, I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was not a show. I thought it was a show like proper where it was like, oh, on Thursday night we released mm-hmm. regular episodes or something, or, or I thought this was a movie. I just didn't know what, but I knew of. You know what's funny is that, uh, like you said, it's not really a show. And to me, I still try to wrap my head around how is this a show, but this is just normal with British TV. Uh, there's really, I'd say, maybe two or three different types of British television. You'll have a series that is maybe, you know, 8 to 13 episodes, and they'll air 8 to 13 episodes straight through, like week after week. Um, and then you'll have one that's like a more limited series where they'll do three episodes, but the length could be all over the place. Sherlock is a great example of that. Sherlock, they might make, you know, a season, but a season is actually three movies. They're two hour long episodes or hour and a half long episodes. And they air three episodes back to back to back, three weeks in a row. And then the show's gone for two years. Uh, and then you have shows like this where it's just, 
we'll throw an episode out there every couple of months and maybe it's more similar to like a tv special but they still consider this like a tv format um if you look back at like you know american tv or even north american tv 22 episodes you know from september until may used to be the norm and now we've kind of adopted the british format of you know 8 to 12 episodes and then you don't always have to have you don't always have to come back in september you can have a show that's gone for like jessica jones or daredevil it's like a year and a half and then we'll air all the episodes um but it is kind of weird that this show is just so all over the place i think that's maybe one of the reasons why this show uh, became so popular because i can't really speak about the popularity in england but you know like i said over here in canada you know they air one special every couple of months and by the time you get to 1993 you know, you could be airing this every single week, and then by the time you get to 95, you could air it every single day, and it just it slowly builds in popularity. But I kind of was like you, having seen this when it was watched every single day, I'm like, oh, it's a TV show. But it's like, no, it's more like a series of skits or specials, and that kind of goes along with the fact that this is not called Mr. Bean Episode 7. It's called Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like, it felt more like a, a SNL skit to me. Mm-hmm than anything and i kind of wish it was longer in a weird way because i feel like it's tv length mm-hmm. but if you're not, if they knew that they weren't going to air it maybe they didn't know they weren't going to air it regularly or something but if they were going to do that i think you should have been a bit longer like i feel like they did a good job of tying everything up like i don't feel like we have any cliffhangers <laughs> except maybe what happened to the turkey yeah. but like uh they could have kept this a little longer like charlie brown christmas or mm. uh some one of the other specials that we watched the rudolph special like those things could were good lengths for a special mm. and this didn't uh, the length was weird for me but eh, hey do whatever you want if it works it works and the show kind of i'm not going to say it evolved it always was this like you said very silent film this is you know, uh, f- almost all physical comedy. This is normal for a Mr. Bean episode as far as the amount of dialogue you get, which is very little. I mean, Mr. Bean himself almost never speaks, and when he does speak, he mumbles. Um, I didn't even know if he could speak. I, yeah. <laughs> I was just really lost. I was like, when he spoke the first time in the, fil- in the film, what uh, this special, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, he talks? I thought it was just a silent character. Like, I just didn't. It, it was weird, the only, especially this being a first watch of the, sh- the show, air quotes, like, it was weird. The only thing I think in the entire series and two movies they made, uh, the only time you ever hear him clearly say anything is when he says his name, and he never will say Mr. Bean or whatever, he'll just say Bean, and he, like, it's very pronounced and drawn out, so I mean, Bean, like, like loud, like the exact opposite of the way he talked normally. Most of the time, it's just like, and I mean, that's kind of the appeal of the character too. And uh, I remember when I started watching the show, you know, I was probably, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12. And I saw that this show appealed to kids way younger than I was. There were kids who were three or four who would watch us every single day. And adults like my mom and, and other people, people who were in their thirties and forties would all love Mr. Bean. And I think that's because, like, Rowan Atkinson, you know, the delivery he has is so good. There's not a lot going on. It's all physical comedy. Uh, but it's something that can appeal so that three-year-olds are watching this and they get a guy just playing around with, you know, a toys in a nativity scene or they get a guy getting a turkey stuck on his head is funny. 
And uh, now that I have a two and a half year old, I realize that most of the time they only want to watch cartoons. It's it's something that's different. It's bright. It catches their attention. You know, as as kids are always like, "Oh, look at that! Look at that!" Uh, live action. It's very hard to get Casper to watch anything live action. He watches a little bit. Like if hockey's on, uh, he will watch that, and he'll kind of just recognize a hockey. You know, but otherwise, if I put anything live action on for him, he's not paying any attention at all. I'd be interested to try this because as I was watching this, I remembered a, a couple of neighbors we had who were like three and four years old, or I think one was even younger. It's like one was two and one was three or four. And they would watch this show every single day. And now that I have a kid, I realize how unusual it is that kids that young would bother to watch something live action. But this really is the type of comedy that can appeal to anybody, which is why I think it's so popular. Also, just a bit of trivia, um, you know, Rowan Atkinson was kind of a comedian. He'd done another TV show called Black Adder before this. And um, uh I'd seen like some stand-up specials that he did back in the '80s that aired here, like you know, in the '90s when Mr. Bean was really popular. And I, this is kind of what he did. He was just a physical comedian. He'd go out there, and some of his stand-up specials were him doing the physical comedy and a guy literally standing next to him narrating what the story was. And when Rowan Atkinson first came up with the idea for the Mr. Bean character, he tested it in uh, the Just for Last Comedy Festival in Montreal, and they had two ways that you could perform you could perform on the english stage or you could perform on the french stage and there was a lot of confusion when rowan atkinson was like no i want to do the french stage only because you could only speak french there and the reason he did that was because he wanted to see how this character he was creating would translate to an audience who doesn't hear the dialogue how all comedy would play and that's one of the reasons i think why this show is so big everywhere in the world because i mean you don't have to you know do dubbing or whatever and it is just physical comedy the kind of it's whether you're you know two years old or whether you're living in france or lithuania or wherever else i mean the show translates pretty much to everybody yeah i would love the uh chinese version where they mr translate mr bean in mandarin or something (laughs) what's bean (laughs) that would be it what does mumbling sound like (laughs) um you kind of said, hey, you're not the best judge, but um, I guess the Mr. Bean movie is something I'll talk really briefly about because uh, uh, that movie came out in – two. Th- so the show ends in 1995 and the movie comes out in 1997. And one of, I think, the earliest memories I have of kind of understanding popularity and box office and stuff like that was uh, 1997 when um, – the being as it was titled in America being the ultimate disaster movie comes out. Uh, and I remember it was released here first, you know, obviously it was released in England and then they released it in Canada and some other countries. And the popularity of it in Canada was so strong that even though for any type of major Hollywood releases or whatever, they released them in America and Canada at the exact same time. When it came to Mr. Bean, they said, we want to open this in Canada first because he's so popular there. And what I remember happened the first weekend it came out is that here in Canada, it was like by far the number one movie. It opened with, uh, I don't even know how much it was. It was like, uh, keep keep in mind when I give these numbers that uh, it, it was like one-tenth of the population. So Canada has one-tenth the population, therefore a box office gross will be 10% of what an opening weekend might be in America. And I think this movie opened with like 
$3.5 million. So equivalent of like a $35 million opening. And the reason that was a big deal was because it made the news, even if you're watching like Entertainment Tonight, that this was the first time a movie opened ever in the top 10 North American box office. Like every week when they're like, oh, this movie opened number five. Uh, being the movie in 1997 was the first time a movie opened the top 10 North American box office while only playing in Canada. So 10% of the grosses of every movie, like when Avengers comes out and they're like, it made 200 whatever million dollars, you know, only 10% of that's coming from Canada. In this case, a movie cracked the top 10 having only opened in Canada. And I think two or three weeks later it opened in America and it opened like number two, you know, maybe $10 million or something. So it was like successful, but obviously not as big as it was here. So this is kind of going along with, um, yeah, the the corner gas one where I'm like, let me throw an episode out there for the Canadians, even though obviously the show is going to be way more popular in England than it would be in Canada. But um, you said you didn't really have much familiarity with this. You hadn't really even seen it. Um, were you aware of the fact they had movies or even an animated series? I did not know they had an animated series. Um, two. I think I knew about the... Oh, two? Yeah. Whoa. Don't spend all your money. Um <laughs> I knew about the movies before I think I knew about the show for some reason. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like I knew about the Bean 2 movies that they had mm-hmm. before. I'm not, I really don't know, but I think that that was what I was aware of. I really didn't know much about the show. I remember using the word show loosely because <laughs> I don't know what this is, but yeah, I really don't have a lot of familiarity with the Bean franchise i'll say so going over this episode here i find it kind of odd that even though this is merry christmas mr bean they aired this december 29th 1992 that's that makes me even more confused about the format of british television uh 1992 is this this is like a new year's episode and there is a mr bean new year's special no not this year uh but how they released this one. Oh man. <laughs> we're gonna miss it. Oh, we're gonna miss on the bean. Yes, what's coming? Two weeks? No, probably not. Uh but uh it's just it's bizarre that this episode airs four days after Christmas. I don't know if there was scheduling problems or editing issues, who knows? But uh um this episode eventually airs and just one other thing I wanted to add um before we get into the coverage of the episode itself. Uh Rowan Atkinson, of course, not only created this character he wrote all the episodes most of them with uh, at least up to this point a guy named richard curtis who would go on to become probably one of the biggest screenwriters of the 90s he is the guy who wrote four weddings and a funeral notting hill bridget jones diary and then later went on to write and direct love actually which is another great christmas thing we could maybe cover in a future year uh but that, he's kind of the writing partner and so you have mr bean this very simple premise but you have this huge star, this huge comedic star, Rowan Atkinson, and then you have an Oscar-nominated writer. Um, we have almost no dialogue here. As I'm looking through my notes, uh, it's the equivalent of maybe six sentences, if that, because most of my notes are two words or one word and just telling you what's going on. <clears throat> but let's. Get I would in- love to see an analysis of the, the 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 percentage of how much of this was spoken versus how much wasn't. I'd love to see that like math of it all, like how much time was actually spent with dialogue in it yeah i mean i can figure maybe three real full lines are spoken in this episode by any character 
because it's not just Rowan Atkinson who doesn't really speak. I mean, the other characters don't. You have the kids who carol later on. You have the guy who's conducting who I think says one or two sentences to Mr. Bean. I don't even know if the guy at the department store says anything. He just sort of points and, you know, brings his guy. I think there's probably... And then his date talks. Well, there's probably more dialogue in the language of sheep than there is in English in this episode. Anyways, let's get into the episode here. So this is kind of your typical Mr. Bean episode where it sort of starts out with a premise and a lot of these early episodes, it's more like a couple little mini skits. And this one's broken up into three, I guess. So the first one is kind of Christmas shopping. Uh, and Mr. Bean is driving. And uh, one thing that you'll get about Mr. Bean is that... Uh, Wait. Okay. Before we get into this, why did he, like, teleport from, like, an alien space? Oh. <laughs> what was that about? Okay, so that's so the op- that's the opening of the show, which is... I guess they the, should explain that, too. Uh, yes, there, you got, like, a choir, this angelic choir singing, and there's a, light, a spotlight that shines on a street, and Mr. Bean just drops from the sky. Uh, there's no real meaning for that other than the fact that Rowan Atkins says that like the Mr. Bean character kind of always feels or or plays like he's a little bit of an alien like there's just something off with him which I think works I mean he intended Mr. Bean to be a childlike character and there, there is that quality where he's like a little kid but then there's the other quality where he's just like an incredibly insensitive jerk who just is socially unaware and doesn't get whatever he's doing but that's, I guess, the intention of, you know, Mr. Bean's just, he's like he's from another world. So that's the closest thing you'll get to an explanation of that. But this is just the the opening they have for all these episodes. Okay, very interesting. It's, 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 it's not a literal. <laughs> Mr. Bean is an angel dropping from heaven, or he's an alien. Uh, I thought he was just done getting probed or something, yeah. <laughs> and then they just dropped him off. Like, what? I'm sure there's been an episode in the animated series like that. Uh, but anyways, uh, let's not find out. So Mr. Bean's uh, driving his car, and uh, one of the things that I always find fascinating about this character is that, similar to what I said uh, about 60 seconds ago, he's just, he's kind of a jerk, yet he doesn't intend it that way. He's, he's completely good-natured, uh, he's friendly, he's happy, but he just does insensitive things, and even just the way he pulls in front of the store and just parks right out in front of like clearly in like a loading zone or something like that and it just goes to the store and doesn't care is great um when he gets in there he's looking for some decorations uh this is all physical gags so uh, i'm hoping people have watched this before if not i'm gonna be spoiling some things here but just trust me everything we describe is about 100 times funnier when you see rowan atkinson do it uh he's looking for some uh some ornaments off of a tree so he has two he's debating between he drops the one to see, oh, this one bounces well, okay, and he drops the other one and it literally shatters on the ground. So he's like, all right, I'll just keep the one that bounces. Uh, he wants to get some Christmas lights, so he tests them out uh, by plugging them in. So he goes into a back room in the store, unplugs something else from an outlet, what literally kills the entire exterior lights of this department store, just so he can test his lights. Uh, as he's paying for his two ornaments, or his lights and his one ornament, he finds a nativity scene. And this is a scene that goes for several minutes. And uh, it's basically like, I would almost say like it's it's a uh, puppet show, if anything else, because you're not seeing Rowan Atkinson. You see his hands, you hear his voice making the noises, but it's just one still shot on a nativity scene as he has like the sheep coming in, bah, bah, and then Mary and Joseph are like, shh, shh. And it just keeps getting more elaborate. And every time uh, Mr. Bean brings something else into this scene, you don't see it coming. So at one point, 
there's uh, a marching band that comes through. That's a and they get shushed. And then you've got all these sheep that come in, and then uh, you know a shepherd comes in. He backs a truck in, and Mr. Bean's actually doing the sound effects like as if it's backing up, and then loads all the sheep in the back of there. You get a Dalek from Doctor Who coming in, exterminate, exterminate. You get a tank coming in. Eventually, uh, an airlifted angel <laughs> uh, picks up baby Jesus with a magnet, transports him to like Barbie's dream house, and Mary and Joseph are in there too. Um, eventually, this is disrupted by a policeman action figure that comes into the scene, which is just the store clerk saying, like, here's your bag. You can go now. Um, th- this is just – I don't even think this is typical Mr. Bean. This is not even physical comedy or anything else. It's just a brilliant skit. And uh, I guess we'll cover a little bit of the outdoor stuff here as well. Uh, oh, I can't forget the T-Rex that came in. That was great too. Uh Anyway, so he's out there, and you find his girlfriend, who appeared in a couple of episodes, this girlfriend of Mr. Bean's. Uh, the one that I remember best is when they went to a movie together, and uh, it was a horror movie, and Mr. Bean was terrified watching it. Uh, but uh, here, they kind of see this display in a window, which is all engagement rings, clearly. And she's pointing to it, like, hint, hint, and then he's like, oh, I get it. And uh, <laughs> the part that Jamie always loves best is that she gives Mr. Bean a kiss on the cheek and then goes away to do her shopping or whatever, and Bean wipes it off. And Jamie says, I do that all the time. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm not like, <laughs> this isn't like, you, but if Jamie kisses me on the cheek or something else like that, like, I, I, I have an extremely, uh, I, I guess, sensitive sense of touch, so I... Even it could be like completely dry. I'm like, oh, I feel the spit on me. I feel it. And I'm also a bit of a germaphobe. So apparently I do that. Even if we're in public, she'll kiss me on the cheek and she'll be like, don't wipe your face in front of people. So I'm kind of Mr. Bean here. Um, we'll, uh, I don't know, let's cover it because this is all just physical stuff. I don't know how much we could talk about quotes or anything else. Um, so we'll go to the, the conductor who's there with the, the, the band doing Christmas songs and there's a collection plate, and Mr. Bean drops, like, a dime in there, and then, you know, asks if he can collect stuff. Eventually finds this kid who's a pickpocket who's stolen everything, and he basically forces the kid to give everything back. So the kid starts bringing out, here's a necklace, and here's a ring, when he makes him open his mouth, and he spits a ring out. Then he delivers this to the conductor guy, who, you know, excuses himself to his car to put the stuff away. He hands his little conducting wand to Mr. Bean, who, inadvertently, when he waves it, like, what am I supposed to do with this, realizes the band hits a note. And he waves it again. It's like, don't, don't, don't. Which leads to him conducting, and there's some fun little gags. And this is probably one of my favorite Mr. Bean moments ever in the show. But, like, there's no proper way to describe it other than the fact that, like, when he's conducting and then he pretends to turn a volume knob down and all the instruments go silent and he tries to start conducting again and they do nothing. So he turns the volume up and they slowly kick back in. Uh, when he starts doing the, the jazzy christmas song that's my favorite part just his expression is amazing uh eventually the conductor guy comes back and mr bean needs a christmas tree um so he goes to a christmas tree lot and there's no trees left so he literally takes the tree down from (laughs) in front of the department store which is probably a 15 to 20 foot tree and just ties it on top of his car and drags it down the street which kind of ends the first third section of this about the night out christmas shopping Rossi, what did you think about all these, I guess, three separate gags they have here? Well, first off, I want to say I actually am surprised that I enjoyed this as much as I did. 
uh, just because the last few things you uh, recommended I watch have not been the uh, <laughs> best. Because um, we had Corner Cast, we had Lost in Space, and this. <laughs> um, so I was not full faith in when you suggested this. But I actually enjoyed it. I thought that a lot of it was really enjoyable to watch. A lot of it was surprisingly clever. Mm-hmm. Like, not just, like, enjoyable haha like dumb stuff like but it was there was like cleverness to it um you forgot to mention that when he goes into the department store he pulls the beard of santa oh yeah (laughs) which comes back later i was just like all right that was weird but then it was funnier later on um i just wanted to mention that uh yeah this guy's just crazy and some of the stuff he does it just makes no sense like dropping the ornaments was great like i did not (laughs) expect that that's the whole. That's the big thing about Mr. Bean. It's unexpected stuff, humor. Like you didn't expect that to happen. At least for me, maybe you do. But like, I didn't expect him to go in and find this light that would unplug the store, or bounce the balls, or create a whole like skit with the nativity scene and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It was just a lot of unexpected stuff. Um, yeah, I I loved a lot of what he did with that nativity. I think that was like one of my favorite parts of the entire show. I thought that it was really great, clever stuff, like an unexpected stuff coming in. Like at first it was like, shh, at the people in the scene, like the, one of the wise men coughs and the other two go, shh. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, with all the expected, unexpected stuff, like the marching man comes in and then he just has them shush and then they go on, but quieter. It's like, bop, 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 and it gets quieter and everything. That was great. The sheep coming in, the donkey neighing and everything. The T-Rex out of nowhere, mm-hmm. the Doctor Who monster coming in, like, all this unexpected stuff. But the the piece that sold me the most on the skit was actually at the very end, when the police officer comes in as the store clerk. I just thought that was a really great way to cap mm-hmm. it. Like, having, instead of just coming up and saying, hey, you're stuffed, they come in with a little prop, and then... The prop then... interrupts his scene, instead yeah, of yeah. the guy. <laughs> And, like, it slowly pans to their faces. Mm -hmm. So it's not, like, an immediate thing, like, oh, this is weird. Because at first I read it as, oh, he brought in a police officer. Like, maybe they broke and entered the apartment or something. (laughs) But no, it was the store clerk being like, get out of here. Just really weirdly clever stuff that I didn't think would be as enjoyable as it was. And then when he goes outside, it kind of just continues that. Uh, The whole ring scene, I, I mean... That was probably the most expected thing. Like, I knew the second they were pointing to the ring display, I knew something was up. Yeah. Like, I, I knew that he wasn't going to buy the ring. Like, I just, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I just knew that that was happening later on. Um, I did not expect the sign to come up as the gift, but <laughs> it makes sense now that I think about it. And then the conduction scene was so good as well, mm-hmm. uh, especially with that kid, like, calling these, giving us a dollar. And then it's the purse, and then it's the the ring or whatever the the pearls, the money in the hat, the ring. It just kept going and going. It's like um the the clown scarf, where it just keeps pulling and pulling and pulling. Yeah. When is it gonna end? I just didn't know. Or like the clown car when they just keep piling out. Like that was what it felt like. Kind of that never ending scene. And then. The conducting scene, I didn't expect. I was just like, okay, he's holding it. And then it kept going. And he slows it down and he wipes a tear from his eye. 
and then he speeds it up and goes, and they're they're keeping up, and then he turns the dial off and it's just silent. Which was I thought that was really funny that they actually like obeyed the thing because when you do music, like you, you could do anything with your hands, but the the wand is what you watch, and it's yeah. just funny to see that they kind of incorporated the things, and then he. The jazz was so unexpected as well. Just that shift in the music. Meanwhile, the the actual conductor is in his car trying on the pearls. <laughs> it's just like, where is this coming from? I was watching um, Mr. Bean, not Drag Race. Like, <laughs> so, but all in all, these scenes were just really unexpected. And then I was like, when the trees were sold out, and I did not. The second it pans to that like wide shot. And you see him like I was like he's gonna take that tree I know it and he does I was just seems like teeny clown car take it. it was so many good moments like I was thoroughly enjoyed throughout this. Um, when when you said about uh, whether you can see these gags coming, honestly, even if you're familiar with this show or this character, you really can't see any. Like I think that's the great thing about this is that. As familiar as you can be with Mr. Bean, you'll never guess what's going to happen. And that's the writing. So much of this is about performance. When you think about, like, the conducting thing, well, that's all in performance. You know, you could write on paper, okay, well, he adjusts a knob. Okay, well, that's that's fine. But then you take uh, something like the 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 balls or the, uh, the, the Christmas tree, and that's how you write the show. And that's why, even though there's no dialogue, like... You have to come up with clever things that will surprise people. The Christmas tree, which is going to come up in the next scene, you know, having him with that Christmas tree in the car, that's great and unpredictable. But I don't think they play that in any way where you expect that to come back. You probably wonder, well, how is he going to get that at his apartment? So when he's in his apartment in the next scene and the tree is now being decorated, that you're like, okay, but you've already forgotten even though it was only like a couple seconds ago, you've forgotten this massive tree. So when he finishes decorating and you watch him, it, it cuts to the outside of his window and this tree is literally up his entire apartment building up to the second or third floor, whatever he didn't cut off and he just shoves it down on the street. Like that's the brilliance of this is that they'll bring something back like the picture from the engagement thing. And even if you're like, well, I, I saw the picture coming, you didn't see the second part that's coming after that, which is great. Uh, They're good at giving the the subtle clues, I think. Yeah, exactly. In the, at least in this episode. I mean, I can't speak for the whole show or movies, but, you know, we saw the the, the, the ring scene where she's, like, hinting, like, mm-hmm. knocking on the glass. And you're like, okay, I know this character so far, based on even based on what I've seen. Like, I get this character. Something's going to go funny here, and you just don't know what. Mm-hmm. And you see him try to buy the tree, and you're like, the guy walks away with the last two, which were... Charlie Brown trees anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we just don't want that. But and you're like, something's gonna happen here. You're not sure what, but you know something's gonna happen. So they're good at like teasing, leaving a little bit of the breadcrumbs, and then you know sometimes you can see it. Like when I put that wide shot, I saw the tree and I was like, that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times, like he got he's got he's at the ring, he goes in the shop. You just don't know what he's gonna walk out with. So some of those things are real a little bit clearer, some of the little bit fuzzier, but it just good setup mm-hmm. for what's going to come. Um, one thing I'll talk about here, which is something I wasn't even aware of until I was reading up on this episode, is that there's a deleted scene, or I guess a deleted scene that actually does get aired in some places. 
you know, I've seen the DVD box set for this. I was watching it on Amazon Prime today, and obviously I watch it anytime this is on TV. This and the New Year's special are the ones that are guaranteed to be aired every single year still. Um, so I've never seen this bonus scene, which I don't know if the version you watched on YouTube included it, where he gets the turkey that's going to come up later. Did you see that? Um, I'm not familiar. Just okay. So then it the wasn't on your version. I mean, you can find this clip on YouTube. I just looked up, you know, uh, Mr. Bean turkey deleted scene. But apparently this was not so much a delete scene. I don't know if it was included in the original airing, but it is available. Like some places you watch this, it's still edited in the episode and then cut for whatever reason. But just describe what happens in this. I can see why it was cut because it's not really funny on the same level with everything else, although it is exactly what you expected the character. There's some type of setup outside, and this was probably supposed to be played before he did the conducting part, uh, where there's a turkey giveaway if you can guess the weight of a turkey, and there is just a lineup of people who are holding oh, it. Oh, like, this was in my version. Oh, was it? Okay. I saw this. Yeah, which is weird because as, as much as this show's on TV, and I I haven't just watched it on TV, you know, like I said, I've watched it on DVD and everything, I've never seen this scene. But just describe what happens in case other people who haven't watched this. Uh, he's supposed to guess the weight, and Mr. Bean, who is kind of like a dishonest character, like I said, even though it's good-natured, he puts himself on a, a scale, holds the turkey, and then when he's guessing, he literally just sits there with a calculator subtracting his own weight so he can cheat this guy into getting it, and he gets the turkey that way, which is it's kind of clever, but I can see why that one was cut from the episode, at least. Oh, I actually thought it was pretty... Clever, like I, I oh, I it definitely that, is clever. But I mean, I, I don't feel like it's funny on the same level as everything. Not else like here. the kid, like Beavis, uh, Beavis and Butthead. We keep referencing <laughs> to just we watch Daria, but you know, the Beavis and Butthead humor is kind of like more so, not not entirely because that's a little more inappropriate than this. But like that's the kind of like dumb humor, like yeah. you know, later on with the turkey when he gets it on his head, or you know, conducting the orchestra, or is that, that's mm-hmm. more like you don't need to like have a level of thought to it. It's just dumb humor and you laugh. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit smarter. So I see why they wouldn't want it. It's not like it, you have to think about it a little more, which not a lot, but a little bit more. Um, and I love that in the deleted scene, he writes the um, number exactly as he yeah. does it. So it's, it's like 14.145. Yeah. <laughs> guy's like looking at the receipt, like what? That's exact. How did you... And he still gets it. Like, uh, just to go along with what I was saying about how if it wasn't for the fact that Mr. Bean was kind of so innocent and childlike, he really would be the most insensitive person in the world. Uh, this just kind of reminds me of him being cheating here of uh, one of my favorite Mr. Bean uh, episodes where he's going to the hospital for something and there's a lineup and it's one of these things where you take your number and uh, he's like number 78 and they're on number 13 or something like that. And he's trying to find a way to get it. And he finds a guy who's in a full body cast and literally swaps numbers with this guy because the guy can't say anything or do anything. And it's just the, the dishonesty of the character. It never plays as being mean. But really, when you think about it, like he is the world's biggest jerk, um, which we're going to get one moment of that coming up in the next set of scenes. So, so on Christmas Eve, now he's got his tree inside. Like I said, we get that great moment where he shoves the 15 foot tree or whatever uh, down onto the street. Uh, but his decorations are literally what he just bought at the store. One string of plain clear lights and one Christmas ball ornament. 
and uh, he sits there, he writes a card out, a Christmas card, puts it in an envelope, and then walks out his door. And of course you're thinking, well, he's going to deliver this card. Then, like, seconds later, you see the card shoot through his own mail slot, and you realize he's just gone outside and delivered a card for himself, walks in pretending, like, oh, look, look what I have here! Opens it up, and reads the note he just wrote himself as if he's, uh, oh, somebody left me a card, oh, isn't that nice? And then hangs it up on a whole string of cards, which are all identical. Um, and so uh, sad, though. That made me so sad. A lonely so character. Lonely. But, like, yeah. it doesn't bother him, which... Uh, uh, there's only a I few... know, but it's like he doesn't know any better. I'm so sad for him. Oh, that that we really do have to maybe watch the the New Year's one because that's probably the only one where there is a moment where you genuinely do feel like, oh, I feel so bad for this guy because the New Year's one is basically about he throws a New Year's party that two people show up to and they spend the entire time trying to fake a way to get out of there, including setting the clocks forward. You know, oh, happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like I don't I don't really ever feel bad for Mr. Bean because it doesn't bother him. But I can see where you're coming from yeah it's all so the cards sad. Are... like he's got to send himself his own cards but then when you see oh, how he treats i don't know why he has to set up seven but like <laughs> it's just great like like he he it's like a kid playing house you know oh look i got a christmas card like that's why the childlike thing really makes sense even though the alien thing makes sense as well i guess yeah i mean it definitely comes back later with the childlike sensibility comes back with him and his uh, little teddy bear mm-hmm. and like the way that he tries to get his watch out of the turkey and stuff like that, that a kid would think of before, like <laughs> an adult would think of like, just like the responses are a little bit yeah. different. Well, then as he's getting ready for Christmas, like you said, he's putting the stockings up uh, and uh, he's got one for himself, one for Teddy. And then he hangs one by a mouse hole in a wall, which will come up later. Uh, he sits down to with a plate of cookies and tries to watch TV, but everything on TV is like violent action movies or horror movies or things like that. So he just turns it off, and then he hears caroling outside of his door. And this is one of the most brilliant – this is one of the scenes that, that like I know it's coming, but it's still played in a way where it's just as funny as when it catches you off guard the first time. The kids are caroling, and he literally pulls his chair right up to the door and sits there in front of his little fireplace listening to the kids caroling. And as he starts to yawn, as they're getting close to the end of the song, he walks to the door, and he's got the plate of cookies out, and they finish the song, and he just closes the door right in their face. <laughs> Which, this is that moment where you're like, he still is kind of an insensitive character. Uh, it's just played so brilliantly. Like, it's, it's, it's a brilliant idea, but then you would have to have, like, perfect timing, the way Rowan Atkinson has, and even just the way he positions the plate. You know, I was watching that today thinking, like, well, you know, is, is do they make it obvious? And, like, you can see when you know the joke's coming, he's holding the plate in a way where it's like, oh, he's offering it to them, but it could, st- it's not like, well, you know, he's being a jerk. It's like, no, he's just like uh, holding it. In his mind, he's not doing anything wrong. Um, so he goes to bed and uh, immediately cuts to first thing in the morning and uh, he's running around like a child, like in his pajamas, like all over the place. Uh, and he opens up his stockings, and this is great, where he opens up his stocking, and it's literally the matching other sock on the inside. Teddy's is an eye, for Teddy who's missing an eye. He attaches the other eye, and then he tests his vision. And then the mouse is a piece of cheese, which he then attaches to a mouse trap right outside there. Um, and, uh, well, let's, let's put those two scenes. We'll leave the uh, Christmas Day stuff on its own. 
Um, oh, let's just do the, the turkey stuffing here as well. So he's prepping a turkey, and this is probably the most famous scene in any Mr. Bean episode. When you ask anybody about Mr. Bean, they're like, the turkey on the head. Uh, this one was so famous that when they did the Bean movie in 1997, they included this scene in it, which part of that's one of the reasons why I think the first Mr. Bean movie, I was just talking, I'll mention this again later in the episode, uh, but I was uh, talking to somebody at work to, uh, this past week about this, where they just sort of brought up, they're like, hey, you know, you ever see Merry Christmas Mr. Bean? I'm like, yeah, of course. And literally we went through the entire episode, but um, – when we were mentioning the turkey bit, somebody else was like, yeah. Why aren't they know, on the podcast? We should have them on. <laughs> Let's bring them on. Uh, but somebody else was overhearing this like, yeah, you know, I just hated that first Mr. Bean movie. Like the 1997 one I mentioned that was like so big in Canada that it made the top 10 box office only in Canada. Uh, and they're like, I hated the first one. I'm like, well, I'm like the second one was definitely better. But we both came to the same conclusion where the, the, that Mr. Bean movie in 1997 it was basically developed to sell Mr. Bean to American audiences, and part of it was people who maybe hadn't seen the TV show, so you had bits like the turkey bit that get played in the movie, but if you've already seen it in the TV show, it's sort of like, well, it doesn't have the same effect. This is just sort of redone. Uh, but still, it's that famous of a scene that they included it in the movie a few years later. Uh, but he's stuffing this massive turkey, which I think plays better having not seen the scene uh, it's just the enormity of this turkey. Uh, that's what I think is so funny. Where, where I think that's lost if you were to if you were to have watched that first scene. Uh, but just the fact that he can't even keep the turkey's legs closed, uh, and then as he's stuffing it, in which you you watch him, he's literally up to his shoulders almost stuffing this turkey. And then at one point, he's like pulling it out, and he's like, "Wait, where'd my watch go?" I just love the the panic that he plays that with, and he's trying to figure out how to get it out. And you have things like him shining the flashlight on the inside. Uh, and then gets to him sticking his head in there trying to get his watch out. And then the doorbell rings and his girlfriend's at the door. And just he sticks his head up and the panic of the turkey on his head, which he can't get off. And he's trying to – a few lines of dialogue we actually get here when he's opening the door and he's <laughs> – this is one of my favorite moments. He's wrapped a towel around his head and he's pretending like, oh, just drawing my hair. <laughs> this thing is like eight feet tall. Uh, and, uh, it's like, oh, how are you? And she's not looking at him or whatever. And then eventually he's trying to get this thing off in the background as she's just sort of making small talk. And you watch him come out with like a hacksaw, which she, you just turn and she, um, is looking at him with a giant turkey on his head for the first time and a saw in his hand and she just panics. Uh, it then cuts to the scene of them trying to get the turkey off, which this part apparently gets edited out for TV quite often. So this is a scene that a lot of people apparently haven't seen, uh, which has her literally piling every piece of furniture in the house on his head, trying to pull him out, and then attaching some type of weight to his head, uh, and to the turkey at least, and throwing it out the window, which has Mr. Bean almost fall all the way out of the window, the turkey eventually pops off, and then as he comes out, what happens? He pulls out his mouth, his watch he had in his mouth now. Uh, this is great stuff, and it's, I think, as famous as this turkey bit is, with just him getting the turkey stuck in the head, it's such a great visual, but it's the little things that play in the background here that I think make it so funny. It's it's him drying, pretending like he's drying his hair, and then you know, just the panic of him wandering around. I'll have a funny story to tell. Don't let me forget a funny cat story to tell about this. Something very similar to this. But uh, this scene is so so great. But like, uh, um, I'll I'll just mention the the work thing really quickly here. 
we were talking about the Mr. Bean episode, as I said, and it sort of started with something about the the nativity display. They're like, oh, you remember that scene with the nativity display? And we literally went through every single thing that happened. Now, I, had, I hadn't watched this episode yet, and I found – I thought that he had just watched this show the night before or something, like it was on TV. But he's like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that in a couple of years. We then went through every single thing in this episode. And I think the turkey thing was one of the last things we mentioned because, like, oh, remember the thing with the carolers? And, like, I think that's how popular this episode is and how great this comedy is and how memorable it is that having not seen this episode recently, either of us, we went through start to finish every gag that we're covering in this episode here in our recap here without even having seen it. And the turkey is one of the last things we mentioned. So, I mean, this is the most famous scene probably in Mr. Bean history, but I'm going to go far enough to say that I think the caroling bit is even funnier. I think that uh, the the picture thing coming up is even funnier. I mean, th- this is definitely great. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that it's like this is hands down the moment of this episode. This entire episode is fantastic. This is just the turkey bit just happens to be one of the great moments in here. I agree. Well, sort of. I kind of like some of the stuff earlier a little bit more just because. All right. So I've. Have you seen Friends? I have seen it. Okay, the same thing happens in Friends. Mm-hmm. Not the exact same thing. Obviously, it's handled differently. But in this, in there, in one of the episodes, Joey gets his head stuck in the turkey. I think it's for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. the episode or something like that. So I've seen this gag before where there's someone's got a turkey on their head, kind of thing. So that was not shocking to me. Mm-hmm. But I still think there was a lot of humor within this uh, bit. Uh, you know, when he's saying, just washing or drying my hair, <laughs> um, which is like one of the few lines of dialogue that he's got, this huge towel over his head, mm-hmm. over this turkey, and she's not at all confused about why your head grew ten times. Um, anyway, and then he tries to hide it in the kitchen, and she's taking off her clothes or looking at the furniture or something, and he's in the kitchen. He leaves to get a saw, and she, and she goes into the kitchen to find wine, and and then he finally coughs, or she makes a noise, and they scream, and it's just great. Like I think the buildup of her finally seeing it was probably the the best part of it for me, just because they were not immediately like it wasn't immediate. Like oh, I've got a turkey on my head, help me! Like it was mm-hmm. a slow build. I think that the one thing that stand, makes this stand out more is. Because it feels a little classical in a way, like mm-hmm. traditional and kind of almost expected, like a it's a holiday in the in, on a TV or a movie, and the dinner's all messed up. What are we gonna do? Yeah. Like, so that feels a little cliche almost in a, in an otherwise show that does a little bit of the unexpected and the the creative. So I felt like this is a little bit repeated. Maybe that's because I've seen it since this was aired, or you know after the fact things aired that are similar, but I feel like that's a little cliche. And just to talk about the kids real quick, the Carol is, I thought that was so clever. I was in no way expecting him to <laughs> slam the door. Like I knew he was going to like have them go away. Like, cause he was tired. Like I knew that that I just didn't know. I didn't know he's just going to slam it in their face <laughs> and not off of Cause you're looking at the plate. Like they find a way to draw. Yeah. They drag it out. Yeah. The plate. And he's like, he's like, I love when he's sitting there and he's got his wine and goes, oh, <laughs> it's just like, so great. So great. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, 
uh, this last scene here, I mean, it's it's a brief scene, really, but for me, this is the brilliance of this episode, the one gag we're going to see coming up. Uh, and w- I'm saying that with a lot of stuff, but like this, this one moment more than anything. Uh, so after the turkey head comes off, we actually see them sitting down. And I just find it funny that th- their dinner is now a sandwich and some carrots. <laughs> and it-, it begs the question, obviously the turkey got stuck on his head. The stuffing was stuck on his head. Here's the other question. I don't know what you call it because I've heard of both. Like, do- is it called stuffing or dressing for you? For me, it's stuffing. Okay, good. Yeah. Because I've heard a lot of people... In Canada, I don't think anybody refers to it as dressing, really. But I know that, like, in America, that's kind of a debate. Like, some people say, oh, it's called dressing. It's called stuffing. But we're going to call it stuffing here because that's what it is. So he's without turkeys, without stuffing. Were the only three things he was going to serve turkey, stuffing, and carrots? Like And peanut butter? And peanut butter, yeah. <laughs> that's what his original meal was. Turkey, stuffing, peanut butter, um... Uh, which would make sense for Mr. Bean, I guess. So yeah, they're just having sandwiches and carrots or whatever. Uh, and uh, his girlfriend wants to exchange presents here, uh, which it's great that uh, when she's trying to give him the present and holding it away from him, and uh, she's like, you know, uh, moving in, closing her eyes, like, no, you got to give me a kiss first. And he's like, um, and then he just second guesses and he like tricks her and distracts her so he can steal the present. <laughs> Um, another thing I probably do to Jamie. Anyways, so he has like some type of battleship that's a model battleship kit, and uh, uh, he opens up and starts playing with it right away. And it's just the things he sometimes the things he mutters under his breath. Like one underrated moment that I basically quote every single year in this is when he opens up his stocking and it's just the other matching sock, and he goes Christmas socks. Like just the way he mumbles certain things. Like it, it's still hilarious, even though. It's not full lines of dialogue. And right here when he's like, oh, look at all the guns. And <laughs> I just love listening. Anytime he does talk, I love to listen because, like, you have to listen really closely. Like, is that what he just said? But he's distracted on this. And she's like, um, what about my present? He goes, oh, yeah. And he he hands it out to her. And it's not what she's expecting because we've all seen that earlier scene where she's like, look at all the rings. Uh, and... This thing is bigger, and she unwraps it, and it's the picture frame that when when she was pointing in the window earlier in the episode, and it was all of these rings on display, and there was a picture behind all those rings of a couple putting an engagement ring on. This is what he's bought. So he thought, you wanted the picture, and he's trying to show it off. He's like, see, look, it's got the cardboard thing on the back, and you can stand it up here, or you can stand it up over here, and then he's just going on and on about all the places you could put this, or you could stand over here, and she just starts crying, and he's like, wondering what's going on, and he's like, oh, wait, I forgot the big part of this, and he gives her another wrap present, which now, the audience, this is the way they find ways to trick the audience, and this is probably one of the best bits of trickery they've ever had for a joke, because this is in the shape of a ring box. And she opens it up. She's like, oh, okay, I'm finally getting it. And you open it up, and it is a ring. You're looking at the ring. And then she pulls the ring out, and it's got the hook on the end. It's not a full ring. It's a hook. And he's like, see, you put the hook on the wall. You hang the picture. And he's still so excited about this. This moment is so brilliantly played. And it's basically the the end of the episode is he's so insensitive. but, But you had two jokes without the audience realizing either one is coming up. This is one of the most brilliant moments they've ever put on Mr. Bean. She basically storms out of there, and he's wondering, what did I do wrong? And the one thing I missed earlier on was the the Christmas 
cracker thing, which is supposed to have the big flash and the pop, that he's put them all together. And uh, as she stormed out, he just ends with Merry Christmas, saying to himself, Merry Christmas is a bean. And they just cut to the outside of his apartment. You see this giant flash, and that kind of ends the episode. Um, but this, obviously, this is one of the ones that is on TV every single year, like I said. it's This show isn't still aired every single day. But I think it still holds up as, like, a perfect Mr. Bean episode because it doesn't feel so much like this is the Mr. Bean Christmas special. Uh, like, I feel like the Home Improvement ones, which we didn't get to cover this year, uh, I'm sure we will at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, that was a pretty good grunt, Rossi. Hey, um, I'm getting there. Uh, but, like, the Home Improvement Christmas episodes, they kind of stand, like, above everything. They feel like this is a home improvement Christmas and not an episode. This plays as a great Christmas special. I think that you could air on TV every year, but I think it also just plays a perfect Mr. Bean episode. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear that. Like you're getting this show, uh, because we could go from here and have other ones. And you're like, well, this is just as good, but this also does play, I think kind of like something like Rudolph where you could play it as an annual Christmas special. Do you know if he was, there was a script or a lot of the dialogue was all improvised. It, it's very scripted. Like there were three writers on this episode. So they okay. would yeah, very much plot out even the dialogue. Okay. Cause I mean, I could see that some of what he says could be scripted or mm-hmm. not scripted, uh, improvised. Improvised. Yeah. Like, especially, you know, when he does the, the counting with the bear, like, yeah, <laughs> the eye, one, two. <laughs> He goes, and then he put, like, I feel like that's like something that you could just improvise or the, you could put it here or you could put it here or you could put it here. And it could just keep going where he's like, well, you could put it on my head or you could put it on the chair. Like mm-hmm. it could keep going. And so like, I, I think, I mean, it, it reads as it could be, it reads genuine, like reads genuine character. So I feel like it could be either in terms of my interpretation, obviously I know that there's only one result, but yeah, because I think that. What was it? The the ring scene was so, it was so drawn out, mm-hmm. and I think that it, I was like, okay, I saw the you know the gift that was rectangular, and I was like, all right, he got the sign, and then, you know, he pulls out the box, which was the unexpected part. Like I said earlier, I knew something was going to go wrong with the ring. Oh, we got her this cardboard cutout, <laughs> but then, the ring comes out, and you're like, oh, I guess he did understand something. It was a little confusing, and it's just a hook. And you're like, that's the part where it gets you. Not the cardboard cutout, because you're like, okay, he's going to do something funny. Like, you know it. They set the trail, and you you saw it. But then it keeps going, and that's where it really gets you. And I thought that that was really clever. Uh, Meanwhile, she got, like, a really, quote-unquote, thoughtful gift for him. Mm -hmm. And she's just getting a hook and a cardboard cutout. (laughs) Um, I just thought that was really good. Clever. I think that's what I said earlier. It was really clever, and I thought that was really clever. That and the nativity scene were the really clever parts for me. And obviously he sets off an explosion in his apartment. That was a little weird. I think that was kind of unnecessary. But I, these, like, 4th of July fireworks, mm-hmm. even though it's supposedly British or maybe... I don't know. Where's this set? Oh, in, in London. Yeah, so, like, these... I don't know, festive crackers that are set aside, had dusted off and everything. It's just unex- a little weird. I don't know, I understand the entirety of why he did that, but oh, on the whole, this episode had really fun humor and it was really unexpected. 
Uh, personally, I don't think that there's one joke that doesn't work in this. Um, and I can't even count how many times I've seen this. And like I said, this show was aired every single day and I'd watch it every single day and the series is done in three weeks and then every three weeks you're watching the whole series again. So I probably know every single Mr. Bean episode by heart. But even when I was watching this this afternoon, I was still like audibly laughing out loud and Jamie's like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, it's the Mr. Bean Christmas one. And like I said, people who haven't seen this episode for years, like we could quote every single thing that happened in here. So I think this is like, it's a perfect Mr. Bean episode. It's also just a perfect comedy episode. And this shows like you can do physical comedy because physical comedy kind of ends up being it's either really goofy uh, or cartoony. But this is just physical where sometimes just his expression or the way he does something or or just a physical gag and how he responds to it. That's great. Um, But uh, I'm obviously going to buy this. Uh, Rossi, what are you going to do? Corner gas, you binned but saw a little bit of potential in. Lost in Space, of course, even as I said, was intended to be a bin-worthy episode. What are you going to do with Mr. Bean? Uh, maybe I should keep the, the, the trifecta going and I'll just Don't you dare. Um, but I may lose my job here. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to... I think I'm gonna, I'll buy it. You know what? I'm going to buy it. I thought Good. that there was a lot of humor in it. I actually enjoyed it way more than I ever thought I would because you're not the best at picking things for me to watch <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm I'm buying it I'm gonna put money toward this even though I didn't spend any money about watching it um and we've basically got one week of Christmas left we're gonna be doing RuPaul's Christmas this week what's the official title so people can actually find it I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's the Holla Slay Spectacular. Okay. Uh, otherwise, it, it, I guess it aired maybe about a week or two ago at the time this comes out. Yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Um, uh, oh, right. Now awkward. you've given away when we recorded this episode. <laughs> awkward. I mean, it aired two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's going to wrap us up on Christmas Eve, and then following that... I was thinking about doing a New Year's one, but at this point, we're already – we had promised doing random recaps for Star Trek leading up to when Star Trek Discovery Season 2 comes out. Jamie and I have already put a couple of ones of those out on the weekend. We're going to move those over to Monday. So the funny thing is the, the reason this episode came up, I was debating between a couple of other shows to do. And uh, I had mentioned to you, well, there's not a lot of New Year's ones. Maybe we can finally do a Mr. Bean episode and do a New Year's Mr. Bean. And then suddenly it came to me like, I can't believe I didn't think of Mr. Bean Christmas. Uh, but I, I will be doing the Star Trek ones probably as of New Year's Eve and then into January. And then eventually we'll be back with this. But for next week, at least, we will have RuPaul's Christmas. And uh, I don't know what to expect of this. I really know nothing about it. I've seen RuPaul's Drag Race with you. Obviously, we've covered it on here at great length. Uh, I don't know if this is a variety show or if it's going to be a competition. So uh, I, have, I have no idea either. So we're going to be both surprised when we watch it. So We're coming in blind, people. Um, it's going to be great. So that will be next week on Christmas Eve, uh, your final episode coverage that we're going to have leading up to Christmas. Uh, so that pretty much wraps it up. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, listen to us wherever you can find us. Uh, my name is Colin, and Christmas sucks. And my name is Rossium. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.